Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. What a great job. Amen. Our youth, our young people, you can go back to class with Miss Denise. And all the old folks get to stay out here with me. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. The older folks. Um, I want to ask you to open your Bibles tonight to the book, two different places, to the book of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and then we'll be turning to the, the book of Acts, the book of action, praise God, uh, the second chapter of Acts. And I want to talk to you tonight for, uh, for a little bit about the possibility of revival. The possibility of revival. I, I, it seems as if that people are getting a mindset today that it's not possible in the day we're living in to have revival for the church to be in a revival. And um, there's not much talk about revival in the day we're living in today. But um, I, I personally believe that God still wants to give revival to His church and um, that there is the possibility, if we meet the criteria, to see a great revival and a great move of God even in the day in which we're living in today in these last days. And, um, you know, I, we're, we're, we, we believe in bringing in evangelists and, and, um, and having revival. An evangelist can do, can do things in a church and minister to a congregation that in a different way than a pastor does because there's a different calling on an evangelist. And that office is different than the office of a pastor. And uh, so, you know, that's why we still utilize here at Abundant Life Family Church the ministry and the office of an evangelist. We have evangelists to come and to minister to us, to preach to us. And um, so I want to talk to you about the possibility of revival tonight. And I'm going to read a couple of uh, very familiar verses, Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the last two verses of that, of that chapter. Let me read 18 as well. Uh, Acts 28, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, Matthew 28. Did I say Acts? Okay, we will be going there next. Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spake to them, verse 18, and saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you Alway, even unto the end of the world, or till the end, or to unto the end of the age. That word "world" there means age. A lot of the newer translations translate it that way: to the end of the age. That is the church age, this age that we're still in. Jesus is still with us. Can I get an amen on that? Praise God. And then in the book of Acts, the second chapter. If you want to turn there with me, I hope you have your Bibles and you're following along. Acts chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 15. Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 15. This, this was on the day of Pentecost, of course. And um, Peter's first Pentecostal sermon, and he says, For these are not drunken, as you suppose. We are familiar with what was going on here. The 120 have just been filled with the Holy Spirit, and 
Um, they've come out of that upper room and, and have drawn quite a crowd and the people were mocking and ridiculing and making fun of them and wondering what was going on. Some of them were saying, well, they're drunk on new wine. And Peter said, these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken, up, spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass... In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I want to read that again. And it shall come to pass in the last days. What days? In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days, which days? Last days. I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. The possibility of revival. Now, I believe, as I mentioned, I believe that there is a possibility, and not only that, but there is a prob probability. I believe in a probability of God doing a mighty and a miraculous work in these last days in which we're living today. How many believe we're in the last days? I believe that. And uh, there is still, even though we're in the last days, there is still, I believe, a possibility, the possibility for a revival uh, among God's people within the church and a revival in America in the day that we live in today. Amen. We don't, we don't want to always be looking back at the past and saying, well, they had it back then and that's wonderful. Well, it's good to look back and see what they had and how wonderful it was, but we don't want to leave that back there in the past because we want God to do today what He did then and I'm just a firm believer in the fact that He's still the same God today that He was in the book of Acts and the church today is to be the same church that it was in the book of Acts. God doesn't have two churches. He doesn't have an early church. We always refer to the early church. God doesn't have an early church and a last day church. He has one church and the pattern for that church is given in the book of Acts. And so what God did there, we can look and read and see and uh, what God did in that church and that's what God wants to do today. And I believe with all of my heart that there is still the possibility of a revival in America in the day that we're living today. Jesus said in the text that I read to you from Matthew 28, Jesus said that he would be with us till, to, until the end and unto the end of the age or the church age, this age, this age and dispensation of grace that we have been in for the last little over 2,000 years. We are still in this age or dispensation of grace and Jesus said that he would be with us until all the way through. So the Lord's not changed. He's still with us. I believe that he's still with his church. He still indwells his church. He's still present in his church. Uh, that is when the church welcomes him and allows him to come into that church. There are church, you know, there are churches that don't. And Jesus talked about that Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3 where it said that he's standing at the door and knocking. Well, he's trying to get in. Where is he trying to get in? He's trying to get in the church. I know we use that verse to say he's knocking at the door, heart's door of the center, in which he is. But that context in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus was actually knocking at the door of a lukewarm 
indifferent, backslidden church trying to get in, but he was left locked outside. Amen. Have you ever saw that pic painting of Jesus at the door and there's, he's standing at the door knocking and there's no doorknob on the outside for him to turn? You know why? Because the doorknob's on your side, on my side. Amen. It's on the church's side. And Jesus is saying, I want to come in and I want to sup with you and I want to bless you and I want to move in your church, but you've got to open the door and let me in. So he is with us still in these last days. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. So what the Jesus that we read about in the Bible is still the same Jesus that is, uh, that is, that is birthed the church and that is indwelling the church in 2019. Can I get an Amen. He has not changed at all. He's still the same in power. He's still the same in might. He said in, Acts, in, in that Matthew 28 chapter there in that 19th, 18th verse, he said, all power, all authorities given unto me in heaven and in earth. So he's not lost any of his power or his authority. And then, then Peter on that great day of Pentecost, preaching that first great Pentecostal sermon, he's quoting Joel from the book of Joel, the second chapter, the prophet Joel. And, and he was explaining to those on the day of Pentecost who were questioning what was going on. He was saying this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. This is that, he said. This is, they said, what is going on here? We, we hear all of these people speaking in our, in, our, in our own languages and they knew they were Galileans. They, had, they, had no, they hadn't learned of these languages. And um, they said, we hear them speak the wonderful works of God. And some, as I said, were mocking and said, well, they're drunk on new wine. And Peter said, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's just the third hour of the day. Now, he didn't say they wasn't drunk. He said they're not drunk as you think they are. They're not drunk on alcoholic beverages, but they are under the influence of something, and that is they are under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, we need a church today that's under the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Drunk on the new wine, drinking from the new wine. Come on, somebody, amen. He said, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's just the third hour of the day. But he quotes the prophecy of Joel. And he said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of. And said, in the last days, in the last days, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I'll pour my spirit out upon my servants and on my handmaidens. What was he saying? That in these last days, which began that day on the day of Pentecost and is still continuing today. Listen to me, church. God's never stopped pouring his spirit out. He's never has stopped baptizing people with the precious Holy Spirit. And, and those who, who want to be filled with the Holy Ghost today can still be filled with the Holy Ghost today just as they were on the day of Pentecost and every other occasion where they were filled in the book of Acts. Amen. Hallelujah. And he said, I'll pour my spirit up out upon sons and daughters. So it's male and female upon servants and handmaidens, men and women. There's in Christ, there's neither male or female, rich or poor, bond or free, black or white. Amen. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And he said, I'll pour it out upon all flesh. Oh, come on. I believe we're living in the day. In these last days, he wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He wants to pour his spirit out on Baptist flesh. He wants to pour his spirit out on Methodist flesh. He wants to pour his spirit out on Presbyterian flesh. He wants to pour his spirit out also upon dead Pentecostal flesh. Come on, amen. He wants to pour his spirit out in these last days, amen. And so it's the day we're living in, I believe, uh, based upon what Peter said, that revival is still possible today. God is still pouring His Spirit out where people want and desire it, and revival is still possible, and re revival 
is still probable in these days in which we live today in these last days. Now I think you will agree with me tonight when I say to you that this generation that we live in today in 2019 needs a revival. We need a revival. We've got to have a move of God. America needs a move of God. Uh, the church, a world today, God's church needs some fresh life and fresh breath breathed into it. Amen. And that's what reviving is. It's to breathe new life into something. It's to bring something that was alive but has died to revive it and bring it back to life again. And so that's what revival is. And churches need that. We pretty much, you know, I, I, we pretty much here at, at, here at Abundant Life having we're in an atmosphere of revival would you say that I mean you know we, we, we are I mean the spirit of the Lord's here and we're in an atmosphere of revival most all the time but you know what I don't want that atmosphere to ever cool off I don't want it to ever wane somebody said well why are you preaching on revival when we're in the atmosphere we have an atmosphere of revival well an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure they say and so I'd rather stay in that atmosphere of revival and, and have a desire for a greater move of God in these days that we live in amen I'm never sad you all know me well enough to know that I'm never satisfied with uh, uh, totally satisfied with what's happening. It doesn't matter. You know, we can have so, and we have had some powerful and some awesome services. And we'll have just some awesome services, you know, sometimes. And I'll go home. I'll, I'll drive wherever we're going after I leave on Sunday and or Sunday night after a great service. And I'm thanking the Lord all the way down the road. Praising Him for what He's done. I'll, on Mondays, I'll find me a place and I'll get alone with the Lord. And I'll just thank him and praise him for what he did at Abundant Life Family Church on, on that Sunday or Sunday night. Amen. But I don't ever want to get to the place where we take it for granted when God moves in our midst. And so, you know, I, I'm thankful for what God does, but I'm always telling the Lord, Lord, do it again. Do it greater. Give us more. We want more. We need more. Come on. Hallelujah. Pour your spirit out like you never have before. But we're living in a generation today in a time that needs revival in America and within the church. Uh, as well. The floodgates of iniquity have seemingly been opened um, as wide as they can be. The floodgates of debauchery and vileness and, uh, has just broken loose upon the earth today. The filth and the uncleanness and the vileness that, is, that we see on TV is just totally unbelievable. I, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you're watching. It seems like there's a promotion, always some kind of promotion of some kind of sin, amen. And sin is being made to uh, look appealing to uh, the people. But it's such a, 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 an ungodly, unclean time. There's a, there seems to be no fear of God anymore in this nation and on, in the world. There seems to be uh, just a, a, a morass of, of immorality within our society today. And uh, not only that, but you know, our churches, and I, and I think a lot of that has to be laid at the, at the feet or at the steps of the church. Because the church, you know, the church is the thermometer, seems like. And, and you know, we, we didn't have the, 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 the vast immorality uh, years ago when churches were really preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And when we were having church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, my dad, let me tell you, when my dad had church, he had church on Sunday morning, he had it on Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. I mean, he had he believed in having church. I had one of his, so he had, he had a little church, a little mission there in Cape, and uh, he had some Bible markers printed up and service times on there, and I still have one of them somewhere. And, uh, and, 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 and that's, that was the service times. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night. Well, I, you know, I know what people are sitting right here thinking right now. Well, I couldn't go to church that much. Amen. That's just too, that's just too much church. But you can't get too much church. 
Amen? But, but that's the problem, and that's why I say that I feel like that, that a lot of the condition of the world and society today has to be laid at the doorsteps of the church because we have, our churches have become cold and indifferent, and we have lost the, the power of God for the most part. Paul told Timothy that in the last days there would be a lot of things that would happen. And he gave a list there to Timothy, but he said that, that they would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That they would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And, and we don't ever want to be in that place as a church here at Abundant Life where we go through the motions and where we just have a form, but we don't have the power. We've got to have the power. And the, the, the church world, has, has gotten to a place where they're cold and, and they're indifferent and, and uh, they're lukewarm. The gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit are not being allowed in many churches today. Those gifts of the Holy Ghost are so precious. We need them, amen? And so many people, so many, so many Christians that one time were so sold out to God and on fire for God now have become Sunday morning only Christians. Even when churches is made available to them on Sunday night and on Wednesday night, they don't take advantage of it. Listen to me, abundant life. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. This is the Spirit of the Lord that's speaking tonight. You need as much church as you can possibly get in these last days. You've got to have that fellowship with one another. Amen. We got some ladies back here, you know, that go to other churches on Sunday morning, but their church doesn't have services on Sunday night or Wednesday night, and they come here on Sunday night or Wednesday night. You know why? They told me, they said, we need more. We're hungry for more. Oh, that's my prayer today, that God would get a hold of everybody here at Abundant Life Family Church and give us a hunger for more of him to be closer to him and to be in church every time we have the opportunity opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Boy, that cooled us off. Maybe I need to put that in my notes. Did not go over well. <laughs> but we desperately need revival today. So many have a last day mentality. And uh, what do you mean by that, Pastor Rick? Well, you know, they, people, I've heard them say this. They will, they will use that scripture. And, and Jesus said that, that because iniquity shall abound, in which it is, isn't it? He said because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that's what I see happening today within the body of Christ, within the church. Let me tell you something, saints of God. It's going to take all that we can muster up to keep our love for Jesus and the fire of God blazing and burning in our hearts and in our lives. Because the devil's out there to cool you off and to put your fire out and to, and to quench your flame for the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil's out there today to get each and every one of us to, that, to come to that place where we just don't care as much as we used to about living close to Jesus. We can't get that kind of a mentality. But I've heard people say this. Well, you know, because uh, the Bible says that, that in the last days there would be a great falling away. You've heard that, and it's true. Paul said that to the church at Thessalonica. But I've heard them use this. With that mentality, they've said, well, don't expect a revival then in the last days. Because the Bible says there will be a great falling away. So if everybody's going to fall away, let, let me take, let me, let me enlighten you here just a minute. Amen. There's people falling away all the time. But that don't mean I'm falling. Come on, somebody. That don't mean you have to fall away. That doesn't mean abundant life, family, church has to get cold and fall away. 
Amen? I'm not going to use that for an excuse to say, well, we're not going to have revivals anymore because after all, ain't anything we can do. We're in the last days and there's a great falling away. There's a bunch of them falling away. But right in the middle of that falling away, everybody that wants a move of God, every church that is hungry, God said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit out upon your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. I want you to know you're looking at a thirsty preacher tonight. I can't get enough of the power of the Holy Ghost. I hope I'm looking at a thirsty church that wants the floods of the Holy Ghost upon our lives in these last days. So don't get that mentality. But that, that, that God is not going to do anything. That the days of revival are over. The church and society, that, that, that we've just gone too far. We've gotten too wicked. We've gotten too sinful. That this nation is too far gone. You've heard that, you know. We're too far gone for God to do anything. I don't, I don't buy that. I'm not buying into that. If it's too far gone and God can't do anything, just close this up and go home and watch TV. Well, no, that's not what we're going to do. I believe in a God that's bigger than that. Amen? Is there a problem in America? Well, of course there is. Is sin abounding? Of course there is. Are we in the last days when there is an apostate church and when there is an apostasy? Yes, we are. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just giving you the facts. But it's in this very time, in these very days, in the last days, when God has promised to pour out His Spirit. It's in this very end of the age. We're at the end of the church age. And it's in this very end of the age that Jesus... Jesus said, I will be with you even until the end of the age. And I still have all power and authority in heaven and in earth. Amen? Yeah, times have changed. Um, people have changed. The devil hasn't changed. And sin hasn't changed. And I believe that God has not changed. And he is still mighty to save. And sin and darkness, even though they are everywhere. There's sin in the political arena and corruption in the political arena. There's, there's vileness and ungodliness in the entertainment realm. And there's even impurity that's, that's filtered its way into God's church. But I still believe today that glory be to God that the Bible says that where sin did abound, God's grace did so much more abound. There's still a possibility and a probability of a move of God in this nation and in our church in these last days. Woo! Praise God. Are you with me? So God's looking for some people that will get on board with Him and believe that. And I believe that we're looking at some of those folks tonight. We are not the only generation that has saw, that has experienced dark times. This is not the only time in history that sin has abounded in a nation and where there has been total apostasy. This isn't the first time. It has happened before. You read your Bible, you study history, you'll find out that things have gotten bad before. But when there was a, when, when God, as long as God had a remnant of believers, 
that would just pray and would stay true and would stay faithful. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a, doesn't take a big crowd, doesn't take a majority, just a handful of faithful believers, just like I'm looking at here in this congregation on this Sunday night. It just takes a few to bind together and to get a hold of God and believe God. And God will move in that situation. Amen. Oh, that's why I'm so excited about our prayer services and our prayer meetings. Amen. We've been having prayer meetings for years and it's does, it has done good. It's, it's the heartbeat and the lifeline of the church. But oh, saints of God, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I'm expecting God to just send flood tides of his spirit. Oh, there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a breakthrough. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. And there's going to be a breakthrough of power like we've never experienced before. In the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It's happened before. Like I said, this, listen, in Elijah's day, it was a dark day in Israel. Uh, the church, the church of that day had totally apostatized. There was not very, well, God told, there was, God told, told Elijah that he had, what, 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Well, Elijah thought he was only one. He, he was kind of like, of course, there were 7,000, but they wasn't, none of them showed up at Mount Carmel. I don't know what the deal was with that. They was all busy doing something else. But, 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 but when you look at the, the condition of Israel in those days, Ahab and Jezebel were the most wicked rulers. The Bible bears that out. That, that Ahab sold himself to sin, sold himself to wickedness, was influenced by his evil, wicked wife, Jezebel, to bring, introduce Baal worship to the people of God. They began worshiping Baal. They forsook the worship of the true God and began to worship Baal. And there were so many vile acts and ungodly things that were, that were involved and incorporated in the worship of Baal. But one of the things that they did do as they worshiped Baal. And this was God's people. This was God's chosen that had turned away from the right way and went to following after Baal and had forsaken God. And, and, and one of the things that they did do was to sacrifice their babies and their children to Baal and to Moloch. Amen? And, and, and just as such a type of the same thing that we're seeing today here in America with, with the slaughter the murdering of, of, of uh, millions of unborn babies and now even born babies that, 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 that are saying, well, it's okay to take their life. Listen to me. That's evil. That's wicked. But it's not the first time that it's ever happened and God was able to bring a revival. He had one man that was able, that was willing to stand up against the prophets of Baal and against Ahab and against Jezebel. Is anybody listening to me tonight? Hallelujah, yeah, this old world is wicked. This nation has apostatized, but I'm still standing up and declaring that we've got a God tonight that can still pour his spirit out and still send a mighty move of God in these last days. Elijah called for a showdown on, on Mount Carmel between the uh, prophets of Baal and, uh, and, and himself. 450 of the prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the groves met on Mount Carmel. You all know the story. Elijah told them, he said, here's the deal. He said, I'll let you, I, you, you guys offer a bullock. You cut up a bullock, put it on the altar, put it on the wood, don't put any fire on it. I will, I will cut up a bullock, I'll put it on the altar, no, on the wood, and we'll put no fire under it. You pray to Baal, I'll pray to the real God. Amen. Hallelujah. And the God that answers by fire, let him be. He will be the true God. And the prophets of Baal said, no problemo. We can do that. And so he said, well, there's more you than the army. You all just go first. And so they built their altar and they cut up their bullock and they laid the wood down and they put the bullock on the wood and then they started praying and they started, oh, Baal, Send the fire. Oh, Baal, 
Baal, answer our prayer. Oh, Baal. And, and there wasn't nothing happening. They prayed all morning long up until about noon. And about noon, Elijah's sitting over there watching all this fiasco. And about 12 o'clock, he said, hey, guys, you know, maybe y'all ain't hollering loud enough. Maybe you need to shout. Maybe you're God's hard hearing. And maybe he can't hear too good. And you need to shout a little bit louder. Or maybe he's on vacation and he's not answering the line today. Hallelujah. Maybe he's on a journey. He's on a trip and, and he's just not available today. Boy, that got them all fired up. They started jumping up and down and they was cutting themselves and they were screaming and they was hollering. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and and prayed from noon till the time of the evening sacrifice, which was, which was three, three o'clock in the afternoon. And finally, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah told them, said, okay, guys, you've been here all day. Nothing's happened. Out of the way. Out, get out of the way. And so the Bible said that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Now, there's a message right there in that. Amen when we get our prayer life right back where it needs to be and when we repair our own personal altars and begin to pray and seek God oh my Lord that's when things are going to begin to happen that's when God's going to begin to move but there's also a message there because it's also a type of Christ in the cross the altar was the type of the cross where the sacrifice was, was slain and where, where it was laid and so he rebuilds the altar. He cuts up the bullock. He puts the wood on the altar and he puts the, the meat on the altar, Elijah does. And then he digs a trench around about it, all the way around the altar. And he has them to bring him um, uh, four barrels of water. And he, and he says, dump that water on top. Oh, he's going to make it hard for God. There's not going to be no chance of any spontaneous combustion taking place here. Amen. He's going to make it hard. He douses the sacrifice with 12 barrels of water. It soaked the sacrifice. It soaked the wood. It soaked the the altar, it filled up the trench around about the altar and then Elijah just begins to pray and he prays a 63 word prayer and he said God, basically he said God, just show these folks today that I've done all of this at your command because you've asked me to and told me to. Just show them today that you are the true God, the living God, that there isn't any other God but you. And he prayed one little simple prayer and the Bible said that then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice, it consumed the wood, it consumed the stones that built the altar, it licked up all the water that was in the trench around the altar and when they saw the fire of God fall like that, every one of those people that had been following Baal fell on their face and said, it's God, the Lord, he's the God. The Lord, he's the God. The Lord, Jehovah, he's the true God. Hallelujah. They were turned around. There was revival that came. The prophets of Baal were, were, were put to death, were executed. And Elijah went up on Carmel and got on his face before God and prayed up a storm. Come on, I mean a, a real storm. Hallelujah. The drought was broken and the rain came and, 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 and God was glorified. And the point is revival came in a time of deep, dark apostasy. Well, if God did it then, could he do it now? Amen? I believe that he can. I believe that he can. I gotta, I gotta bring this to a close. Listen. There wasn't any more wicked city in the Bible than the city of Nineveh. Huh? You remember the story of Nineveh? The story of old Jonah. I, I, I was going through some old notes uh, here a while back, a few days ago, and came across a message that I preached on, on, on Jonah what to do when you're in the whale's belly. We may need to preach that again. 
there's some things that you need to do, but that, anyway. But Jonah got the call from God to go to Nineveh and preach. And uh, Jonah said, I don't think I want to do that. So he ran from the presence of the, of the Lord, wound up in a whale's belly, and got prayed through there in the whale's belly. And then the Lord spit him up, had the, had the fish to spit him up, and uh, spit him up right where, where, where do you think he spit him up at? Right there on the shores of Nineveh. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. Well, you know, he had, he, had, he had told the Lord in that, well, I'll do what you want me to do. He had consecrated the Lord. So, you know, sometimes we've got to get into whale's belly before we're ready to, to yield to what the Lord wants us to do. I'd rather just go ahead and obey the Lord than have to go on that whale ride. Come on, somebody. He spits him up there, and he, I always loved that. It said that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And boy, when it came to him the second time, he was ready. He was ready to do what God had told him to do. But listen to me. The city of Nineveh was a wicked city. It was filled with debauchery. So wicked, listen to me. Nineveh was so wicked that God was getting ready to wipe them out. That's how bad it got. They were down to their last 40 days of existence, and judgment was coming. God had had enough of their sin. I wonder if God's about had enough of the sin of America. If it wasn't for the presence of the church, the freedom of the church, the preaching of the gospel in this nation today, there wouldn't be the mercy that we're seeing. I really believe that. I believe it's because there's some people, there's people in the, you, you remember I preached on, uh, on, on intercession here a while back and, 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 and was it God told Abraham if he could find 10 righteous people, he wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, there's more than 10 righteous in America, and that's the only thing. We're still the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That's the only thing that's keeping America from being destroyed. But this Nineveh was a wicked, wicked city. And God sent Jonah to preach, and that's what he did. And God told Jonah, said, preach the preaching that I bid thee. See, listen, if we would just get back to that, if preachers would just get back to preaching what God tells them to preach. Quit buying their sermons off the internet and just get in a Bible and start preaching what God tells them to preach. Are you listening to me? Amen? Oh, hallelujah. If, if we would start doing that and the preachers would start doing that, I tell you, there could, there would, we would see a change. It's the Word of God that will change people. Jonah went to preaching. But listen what it says in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5. He went preaching, verse 4, he said, Yet forty days in Nineveh be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Listen, this is a wicked, ungodly nation. And it said the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. My Lord, have mercy. Wouldn't that be something if they'd call a fast? and a prayer meeting in Washington, D.C., and everybody would get in sackcloth and ashes and begin to repent before God. Oh, I'm telling you. Wouldn't it be something if the church, if the church would call a fast and people would actually come to a prayer meeting and actually get before God and humble themselves? What do you think God could do in America in these last days? The word came to the king and he covered himself and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout all Nineveh by the decree of the kings and the nobles 
saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. They even put their animals on a fast. But let the man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Let, here it is. Let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. And here was his reasoning. He said, who can tell? If we will repent, who can tell? If God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And verse 10 said, And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do to them, and he did it not. They got spared. They got a reprieve. There was a revival that came to Nineveh, and the whole city turned to God because one preacher finally obeyed God and went and preached the gospel and preached the word of God. There was a revival in Nineveh. Come on, amen. God sent a mighty, soul-saving, judgment-stopping, God-glorifying revival to an ungodly pagan city. And I'm here to tell you tonight, church, if God can do that and would do that for that pagan city of Nineveh, could God possibly, could he possibly still send a revival today to St. Francis County, to the mineral area? Could he possibly send revival today to the United States of America? Could we possibly see our nation turn around and turn back to God? I'm not counting it out. I believe he's looking for some people that will pray and seek his face. Woo, hallelujah. I'm closing now. Is this my second or third closing? Third's a charm. But listen to me. That passage that I read to you in, in, in Acts, there was revival. Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way through there, there was a, a great revival that took place in Jerusalem. What's so great about that? Jerusalem, oh, the holy city. Well, there's something about Jerusalem you need to know. They weren't that holy of a city. Amen. I'm going to the, you know, somebody said, well, we need to go to the Holy Land. Well, that's not so holy right now. Yeah. <laughs> Got quiet all of a sudden. You know, in the book of Revelation 11 and 8, the, the, the Bible refers to, the Holy Spirit refers to the city of Jerusalem as Sodom, spiritually as Sodom. And what I'm saying is this, that there was a revival in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. A city... That had, that had heard, listen, this was a gospel-hardened place. God, for how many thousand years, for hundreds of years, had sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to Jerusalem to preach to them, to turn them away from their wickedness. And they stoned the prophets and ran them off. And they didn't want to hear what they had to say. Jim, Brother Jim and I were just talking about Jeremiah a while ago, my favorite Old Testament prophet. But for 40 years, God sent Je Jeremiah to the city of Jerusalem and to Judah. And he preached and preached and preached. And nobody got saved. And nobody listened to him. And nobody paid any attention to what he said. In 40 years, oh, well, it looks like that he wasn't very successful. But oh, yes, he was successful because he obeyed God. And he stood up and he he preached to them. But Jesus stood there at the city of Jerusalem and he said to them and he wept over the city. Remember that? And he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, how often would I have gathered you together as a, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you would not. You would not. They were gospel hardened. They had just recently crucified the Lord of glory. They had called for the life, the, the Lord Jesus Christ to be crucified, accepted a mercy murderer in his place and had him crucified just outside the city gates of Jerusalem. What am I saying? It was a place that was gospel hardened, a place that hated Jesus. Do you realize, do you realize that in all the ministry, the three and a half year ministry of Jesus, that he never spent one night at Jerusalem? On the times that he visited the city, he always left in the evening and went to Bethany to spend the night. 
They didn't want him there. But on the day of Pentecost, come on somebody, on the day of Pentecost, in this gospel-hardened city, all 120 people got together and had a 10-day prayer meeting. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, oh, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, the power of God filled that 120 and they went out from that upper room and they evangelized that and it was said of them this 120 people Peter gets up and preaches one sermon gives one altar call and in that gospel hardened city of Jerusalem that had just crucified the Lord a little over a month earlier in that city 3,000 of those hard hearted people gave their life to Jesus Christ and were saved I'm telling you there is a possibility of revival today. I got to quit. I wore myself out. I think my watch is telling me you got your steps in today. Praise God. Worship team, make your way back, please. There is a possibility. There is a probability of revival today. Amen? If God could do it then, He can do it today. He can do it here. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Ghost. God sent revival to the country of Wales in 1904. People were praying and seeking God for quite some time for revival, but Revival came to Wales in 1904 like an unexpected tornado. Boom, it hit. And in six weeks, listen to what I'm telling you tonight. Somebody said, well, you've talked about it before. Yeah, I'll get ready. I'm going to talk about it some more. In six weeks, 20,000 people were added to the churches in Wales in six weeks. 20,000 people. That's revival. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of revival I'm talking about. Amen. That will impact an entire community. Amen. I'm not talking about just having a, having a series of meetings where, where we are in a little bless me club and woo, we have a good time and we shout and we praise the Lord and we fall out and we get up and then go out and live like we want to. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about a revival that'll change this area, that'll change the people. Amen. Hallelujah, where souls are literally actually saved and born again and lives are literally actually changed, amen? 20,000 added to the churches and just a, a couple of years, just a, I forget the, the, the total time, but over 100,000 people were saved in Wales. It was, it was, listen, the crime in Wales stopped, it ceased. The jails didn't have no customers in the jails. They didn't have to lock the jail cells. The taverns and the bars and the grog shops and the honky-tonks all shut down because they didn't have any more customers. Why? Because so many people got saved. I wish we could put the liquor business in St. Francis County out of business because so many get saved by the power of God. Woo! It's not a pipe dream, folks. Amen. It's very well possible. Does God want to do it? I believe he does. Does God desire to pour His Spirit out? Absolutely, He does. Give us another Azusa Street. Give us another move of God. Pour your Spirit out in these last days. Let's stand tonight.